0: Hey everybody, Steven Jensen here. Thanks for listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Before we get into this show with myself and Moe's, I just wanted to tell you all to check out our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. They are now located at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. It is an awesome location. I was there in person this past weekend. I got to meet Dan Severn during the meet and greet. Of course, Dan Severn, you know UFC Hall of Famer, UFC Triple Crown Champion, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Guy is just a complete legend of combat sports. It was a ton of fun. So shout out once again to Music City Toys and Collectibles. Make sure to check out their new website, musiccitytoys.biz. And also make sure to follow them on social media. Just search for Music City Toys. With that all being said, kick back, relax. Enjoy this episode of the Fight Talk podcast with me and jumping Johnny Mosley.
1: What is up, everybody? We are back with another brand spanking new edition of the Fight Talk podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit about this past weekend's card headlined by uh, one of the, what absolutely will be one of the most talked about knockouts of the year. We're going to be talking a little bit about the card that's coming up weekend. We don't know a ton about it, but there's been some discussion, a little bit of, dare I say, drama regarding a couple of fights. We'll be back a, a little more deep dive if you will, next week. We are less than two weeks away from Nate Diaz returning in the co-main event. We got Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. We got Tony Ferguson. I mean, May 15th, absolutely sack card. Uh, so we'll definitely be previewing that next week. A lot of talk about there. But uh, before we get into everything this week, as always, man, uh, it's good to be back. I was sorry to miss last week. Uh, Stephen Jitson over there, John Mosley here it's uh it, it's just it's i'm gonna say it again man it, it's good to be back it's good to have our pre-show uh shout outs before we get into all this
0: <laughs> yeah for sure welcome back mose uh thank you to doug for
1: yeah uh, do filling you. it
0: last week and it's funny because we kind of as they would say on the trailer park boys it's a Rickyism. but uh we got two birds stoned at once uh because okay. uh we did a live stream me and him do our show every uh every tuesday night at 10 p.m and we decided just to do a full. Um, a full review of the last UFC show, so that we could just clip that and, and put it in place of of our MMA show because you know with you being out with your sinus infection last week, so er- so everything turned out really well. And also, right on cue, if y'all yes. come here um, I have really bad uh, storms in my area right now. It's like a tornado warning, and so like heavy rain is kind of coming and going. But we didn't want to miss uh, getting you the show this week, so. I apologize if, if you are hearing that in the background. I'm going to do my best to filter it the best that I can. Uh, but hopefully, you know, just kind of stick here with us. We'll do the best that we can to kind of uh, talk over that. But uh, but yeah, thanks for coming back, Mose. And I'm really looking forward to talking about these fights because uh, we had some really good stuff this past weekend. And then, like you were alluding to, this upcoming weekend, there's a lot of questions because we had a main event that fell out and fights that have moved from other cards to this card, and a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. And, and, and uh, fighters who are no longer with the company anymore as well. So
1: We're going to get into uh, th- this review slash recap of UFC on ESPN 23 slash UFC Vegas 25. Of course, headlined by uh, Dominic Reyes losing, getting put down by Yuri Prohoshka in a spinning back elbow. It looked like he caught the elbow and the fist. And, um, just absolutely brutal stuff,
0: bro. Yeah, it really was. Brilliant performance from Prohaska. And Reyes was standing... I mean, he was fighting back, too. I mean, that was a really, really good fight for the two rounds mm-hmm. that it lasted. Um, you had Prohaska basically swarming with, like, an array of, you know, different strikes. So, you know, he was throwing a little bit of everything, but he was throwing really good hooks, a lot of great combinations. Mm-hmm. He'd get Reyes... Reyes would be hurt and kind of up against the fence, but Prochaska would stay right there in the pocket, and a lot of the times he'd kind of keep his hands down. And Reyes was landing a straight left like over and over, and the there real there really wasn't a huge discrepancy in like how many strikes each had landed going into like kind of that towards like when the fight was was ended. So, which was, was kind of surprising to me. Like when I was watching it live, I thought that Prochaska was really piecing him up, but then I'd saw I'd like look at the stats and it'd be like. Reyes was only, like, you know, six or eight, you know, strikes behind him and stuff, and it was like, oh, okay, like, but, yeah, I mean, Prohaska went in there, did exactly what he needed to do, and, and now Reyes has lost three in a row, which is,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: three in a row to really, really good fighters, you know, Jones Blahovic and now Prohaska but, um yeah, and, and that also all being said, like, I do think that Prohaska should fight the winner of yeah, um, you know. Blahovic and Teixeira for the belt, I really do, yeah.
1: You knew where I was going to go. This was the fight of the night, so 50K to both men. Uh, no, that was the next question. I, I agree. I think after a performance like that, again, a, a highlight reel of a finish that everyone's going to be talking about at the end of the year. You look at he has not lost. ProHoshka has not lost since December of 2015. And, oh, by the way, that was a, a rising uh, Grand Prix card where actually that was like his – Third fight of the night, technically. Yeah, so, uh, at a catch weight. So, I don't know, man. This super impressive guy. um, Cannot wait to see where he goes. And then what? This is how many finishes in a row. His last time he went to the judges was 2016. Every single fight since then has been a finish, most of them in the first round. As impressive as it gets, as brutal as it gets. uh, Does this, I know you probably saw, like I did on Twitter. A lot of people kind of trying to roast John Jones based off how how close the Reyes fight was to this. Um, What was your kind of thought seeing all that? I think it's just more of just kind of uh, the the Jones hater side of things. Because uh, I I know, I mean, what we say, I feel like every week, anybody can be beat on every night, man. The Dominic Reyes that fought John Jones that night, damn well, could have beat anybody else probably on the planet.
0: Yeah. And when I also think that there's something to, there's it's almost like this John Jones effect that's been happening to some of these fighters that, that have lost to him recently, because now Reyes is Owen two since losing yep. to him. Um, Anthony Smith has won a few. He's like, he's the only exception, but he did have that, that downfall yeah. for a second there yep. when to you know, smoked him and everything. um, Although that was a really fun fight just to share. just was tough as hell. And he wound up coming back and getting that win. And, you know, But um, you have Thiago Santos, who I think has lost his last two uh, since Jones. Um, I could be missing others, but it's. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, um, Alexander Gustafson. He's lost his last two since fighting Jones the second time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like. You know, I. I mean, there just might be something to that also. And with Reyes, it it hurts kind of double because he had Jones and then he had the chance to win the title against Blahovich, and then failed there as well. So, like, you know, that's a that's an uphill battle to to try to get yourself back to another title shot. And he would have had a fast track to that, though, if he would have went out and looked really impressive against Prohaska, because these are both guys that are right there in the mix. But. What what really helps for Hoska so much is that, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't fought for the title and he's a new name. Like he's something fresh for the division. So.
1: And that highlight package, right? I mean, all these finishes, I know, uh, only what the, a couple have been the UFC, his last two, of course, the Saturday, this past Saturday night, and then his finish of Osemir last July. But, uh, you know, you've got those finishes and then and you look back at all these rising finishes, man. Just the talk of, of, of someone not going to the judges, right? That's going to bring the casuals in. If you don't know this guy's name and it is a hard name to pronounce until you get it, um, it, it, it's, it, it just it lights up the, your, your, the fire of you as a fan, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing quite like seeing someone knock another human being out. And this guy's been doing it for years now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, especially with with the spinning back elbow, just yes. super impressive. And he,
1: you look at the people, right? He he knocked out King Mo, he knocked out Fabio Maldonado. Who's, you know, he's been in there with some big names, knocked out Stevie Dalloway and then Osmar and now Dominic Reyes. Man, like those are names that you know people people uh, have heard of these guys.
0: Yeah, and really the only reservation, to be honest, that I would have going into this fight, and I actually talked about it with. Uh, with Shaq over at the Fightful MMA uh, watch-along that we did. And he was bringing up a good point. Like, you know, when he knocked out King Mo, I mean, King Mo, that was, you know, towards the end of his career. Fabio right. Maldonado, same kind of thing. Although, you know, all, all defend to the death that I think Fabio Maldonado defeated Fedor when they fought. And that was yeah. some bullshit, bullshit judging, some some home cooking for uh for Fedor by the judges there. Same with C.B. Dalloway. These are all guys that are like, you know, at the real tail end of their careers when when they were knocked out by by, by Prochaska. But then you do have Ozdemir, who is a perennial threat in the division. Um, but that was, that was kind of the questions going into it was like, yes, impressive knockouts against names we know, but names that were like really, mm-hmm. you know, really on their way out. Now, I mean, he even has that win over uh, Nemkov from back in 2015. And Nemkov is the current Bellator champion, you know, but and Nemkov's gotten a lot better since then. But it's uh, but then he comes in there and does what he did to Dominic Reyes. And, you know, he you know relieves all doubt that I would have had about him being a contender or title challenger. The only the only reservations or kind of things that I see in Prochaska's game that I think are going to be potentially really dangerous for him is going to be. Whether he fights Blahovich or Teixeira, I'm mm-hmm. assuming Blahovich will probably win, but I, I think, I, I love that fight. We've been talking about wanting yes. that, that one for a while. We were both big Teixeira fans. So I can't wait to see that one. But the way that Prohaska fights is very risky because he throws a lot of volume, but he leaves himself open. Like, he, he has his hands really low for a lot of the fight. Now, granted, that might be part of just the, you know, there's guys like Michelle Pereira out there that, well, you know, mm-hmm. they fight unorthodox and they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, Prochaska, I think he just has to be really careful. Like if he's standing right and, he's, and he really stands right in front of the guys that he's fighting, but he's really good about rolling with punches like he like Reyes was hitting him. But Pro, a lot of the time Prohaska was like moving with the punch, so he wasn't really absorbing much of the blow. So, but but I guess my point really is, if Prochaska is just standing, like, right in front of Jan Blahovic with his hands down, it, with the power that Blahovich has, like, you don't want to get hit just standing there with your hands down against a guy like that. I think that's going to be a really bad night for Prochaska if, if he fights like that against Blahovich or even mm-hmm, Teixeira. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it worked really, really well against Dominic Reyes. So, I mean, I, there there's definitely that to be said.
1: Very well, A hundred, you got the $100,000 in the pocket. Of course, the fight of the night we've already mentioned going to the main event and Prohoshka adding a performance of the night bonus. So very good night, very successful evening for the gent in our co-main event. We had another finish that I was very surprised by. Cub Swanson uh, going down in the first round, TKO, body kick and punches. Giga Chikadze, did I say that right? Chikadze. Giga Giga okay. Chikadze, Giga Chikadze with a gigantic finish over a perennial tough guy in Cub Swanson. Uh, first round, too, Stephen. What did you think when uh, when the you know the the, the ref called for it and we were you know we were in the first round still?
0: Yeah, I mean it was a good stoppage. I think yep. Jason, I'm pretty sure Jason Herzog was the referee in that one. Um, because I remember when it happened, we were talking about like, just noticing how I, see, here's the thing. I love consistency in refereeing, even, you know, even if they're not, not that, I think Jason Herzog is one of the best in the world, but even if he wasn't, I just like the consistency of like, he's very definitive about stopping fights. He doesn't, it's very the opposite of what we've seen lately from Herb Dean in a lot of situations where like Herb is like kind of about to stop a fight but doesn't, or he bumps mm-hmm. into a fighter and they confuse and they think the, the fight's over. The start stop
1: start stop. He does.
0: Yes, that's very. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, and as a fighter, it has to be very confusing because you're you're told to just keep fighting until, you know, fight like the fight is not over until the referee stops it or or touches you or tells you to to you know it's over. And if you're not sure if he's if the referee is ending the fight, like, what are you supposed to be doing? You know? Mm-hmm. So like, anyway, that all being said, I think Jason Herzog did a great job. Uh, uh, Chikaze, you know, crumbled Swanson with a body kick. He fell over. He tried to go for a single like takedown, like just to, just to do something, uh, to show that he wasn't finished. But then, uh, Chikaze, you know, was hitting him on the ground. And then when Swanson turtled up, like that's it. And, and that's, I would, I would have done the same thing. Uh, if I was Jason Herzog in that position, like once you're turtled up and kind of going the other direction or like you're just turtled up and you're just face down. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you're just not defending and Swanson was really hurt. It was clear. And it was a great performance from Chikadze who, you know, as far as like his career, he wasn't, you know, super well known in MMA up until, you know, you know, he really just entered the UFC a couple of years ago, but he has, you know, that kickboxing career before that, you know, fighting for glory. And so like, he's a really skilled technical kickboxer that's giving a lot of these people a lot of problems and to go out there and take out Cub Swanson, who is tough as hell, who was coming off of two wins in a row beating Cron Gracie and Daniel Pineda back to back. Like, swanson was looking like you know he was kind of having a bit of a career resurgence Mm -hmm. himself Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh chikadze i mean just just super super impressive as well i mean that was the theme of of the main event and the co-main for me was it was two guys that beat two really established names and two guys that i think are going to both be like i said Prohaska, i think will be the next contender for the title and then chikadze is now going to be in the mix with I've said it on our on this podcast many times. I think from from top to bottom, if you're looking at the top 15 of all the weight classes in the UFC featherweight's probably my favorite weight class from from number 15 to number one. And Chikaze is in that and he's going to be fighting nothing but, you know, either big names like a Cub Swanson or just like just killers. You know what I mean? So it's going to be it's going to be fun to see what he does next because he's going to get some really exciting fights.
1: Eight wins in a row for him. His last two, including of course the win over Cup. performance of the night, first round finishes in the UFC. The most recent, uh, of course, being November seventh, twenty twenty, a win over Jamie Simmons. That was back on the Santos to share a card, and then of course, uh, as impressive as it gets, I love good body based offense, and that was as good as it gets. Got him fifty Gs. That was the second performance of the night, um, along with Brojaski, as you were just saying, Steven. Uh, two, a, as good as it gets, performances in a main and a co-main here. Um, I, I just, this, you know, every now and then we get those cards that we kind of, we we leave going, oh, man, you know, I, I, that could have been this or that. But uh, a, a just absolute great way to end this card um, that we had on ESPN2. the uh, The rest of the main card, we had two decisions, unanimous and then a draw. Uh, split decision draw, excuse me, there with um, with, you know, anytime you get a split decision draw, bro, you're going to have people on either side. How did you feel when uh, when we got the twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty eight cards red in that light heavyweight scrap?
0: Um, I thought it was a good uh, like I never liked seeing draws. I don't think anybody likes when that happens, but it's it was kind of like almost. I don't want to say poetic or ironic, but it was right. Way- so Kudalaba, you know, during the weigh-ins, he he like put Jacoby in a in like a clinch. Like it was really we- it especially was after, weird, especially after yeah, yeah, especially after last week or whatever that it was either last week or two weeks ago when uh when Jeremy Stevens shoved a close and close had to pull out of the fight because of injuries he suffered from the push. Where so like you would figure that there'd be a very short lease for these fighters right now for doing that kind of stuff during weigh-ins and Kudalabu did that and it was like I honestly wouldn't have I wouldn't have been upset if the company fired him after that to be honest like you can't just be you know I I I hate to make it sound so extreme as to say you're assaulting people but like that honestly is what is happening like the uh, did oh, somebody
1: did well yeah dangerous
0: well and 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 Jacoby isn't. Like he's not defending himself, you know what I mean. He's standing there under the impression that he is not going to be hit. Yep. And that's why I think it was so like the Stevens and close thing was so strange because it just the just didn't look that bad. But when you think about it, you know the worst the worst injuries and the worst hits. You're about in in uh, American I say American football as if we have like this something giant <laughs> UK <UK-less laughs> or something. Um, in football, you would not football but football you would have. You know, a lot of the worst injuries happen when, like, just because they don't see the hit coming, Yeah. you know, because there is something to just knowing and being prepared for it versus yep. just getting blindsided and your body doesn't know how to react. And that's like, that's what happened, I think, to Close. Like, the shove didn't look very bad, but he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't expecting it. And his his head and neck, like, snapped weird. And so anyway, all that being said. The, the pre-fight stuff from Kudalaba, I really hated to see that. Um, but what was nice to see was after the fight, you know, they had this, they had a, the, the actual fight was a war. I mean, the two went for the finish, they were head hunting. It, it, you know, I was actually really surprised it got to a decision with the kind of the heat both were throwing. But it was nice to see after the fight, they were shaking hands, it looked like there was no actual bad blood and, and I and I would be totally fine with them running this fight back as soon as they could, because it was a really entertaining one. And I think it's a fight that still makes sense for both guys to try to settle. So um so yeah, no, no problem there as far as uh as far as it being a a split draw. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Sean Strickland and, and Christoph Jocko just Strickland, in my opinion, won all three rounds. Uh just looked really, really good in there. Adavish Volley and Stamen, same kind of thing. Ah, uh, unanimous decision. Davis Volley, just really, really, really impressive. And then I know that there was one fight on the, uh which one was it? The TJ Brown Kamaka fight. I saw yes. people on I saw people on Twitter all complaining about that one because you had a uh, two twenty nine twenty eight, but one thirty twenty seven. So it's like, of course you did. You know what I mean? Like, like the. That's really funny when you see that where it's like one of the judges gave all three rounds to somebody, but the other two judges Mm -hmm. went with, you know, you know, two rounds to one for the other person, you know, so it's like it's just I'm not saying who's right or wrong as far as the judges. I'm just saying, like, it's just so strange that there could be that much of like a discrepancy between what these judges are seeing happening, you know, so um, anyway, I just figured I'd point that out as well. But. No,
1: I, that's, that's a storyline <clears throat> we go back to. I was actually going to say, um, my only real thought on the, the split decision that, I mean, you, you nailed it, uh, same page, same book, but, uh, it felt to me like a draw. Like, there are times we, we do like, to your point, we go to the judges and there's times that we get those draws and you, I mean, I just jump out of my chair and I go, how, but this really felt, I go, I remember thinking, cause uh, I ended up having to watch this show, Uh, the day after I was I was on the, on the call Saturday night. So I had the co-main and the main, I knew what happened. I watched this five having no idea the finish. And I remember thinking like, this is going to be a draw. I feel like I'd have heard about that. And then of course it was. Oh, okay, cool. Um, No, man. Yeah. It's judging is so weird. I always have questions, but um, on the whole, this, this was a pretty solid card. Um, Very happy again with those finishes. I think if, if the year he finished wasn't so gross, that draw could have been a fight of the night. But, I mean, how do you not just throw all the money at the guy when he, he can connect on uh, on something like straight of the video game like that? Um, yeah, g- great card. Hope everybody had a good time with it. Again, uh, the big story, the light heavyweight, new contender for sure, and, uh, and definitely someone to keep an eye on moving forward in the featherweight uh, divisions here. Moving on to the Saturday's card, and then uh, the tail end of the show we're actually gonna talk a little bit about the PFO. I know we both want, wanted to uh to say a couple things on that, but 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 for, first let's talk about this this basically it's a it's another wrestling reference, Steven Jensen. Let's call this show the UFC Mystery Vortex. Like <laughs> I mean we, we do know some fights, don't get me wrong, but uh, you mentioned it to lead the show off with uh, San Hagen and Shaw not happening. Cowboy Cerrone with no opponent right now. Um, Diego Sanchez no longer employed by the uh, an employee of the UFC. Uh, man, the last week has been so crazy with so many links to this card. Uh, let's let's talk about the Cowboy Diego stuff first, man. We haven't touched on it, so just break it down when all that unfolded like it did. You know what? What were you kind of sitting there thinking, watching as Diego went from? Fighting Cowboy to no longer in the UFC.
0: So um I haven't seen every like video I've seen clips, but I know there's a lot of video out there of like Diego and Josh Fabia um like appealing the commissions and that kind of stuff. I think I have a pretty good gist of like the scenario, at least from like I've read from a few different sources kind of kind of the breakdown of like what led to this point. Um so the the kind of what I gather is and, and first of all i'll say this i think that just before i really get into it josh fabia it like that's the problem with yes. all this you know yeah. so like you know and he and he has been a problem uh you know being associated with diego this whole time there have been situations where fabia has like tried to bully journalists and in television broadcasters and stuff into you commentators know, this, yes call con- yeah and into into basically you know, not saying anything bad about him and, and to make sure that like certain things are being said about Diego and certain things aren't and blah, blah, blah. The guy, the guy is, from outside looking in, he just seems like a giant leech. Like I, I, you know, I, I think he has totally tarnished uh, kind of the mindset of Diego. He's, I don't like to use the word brainwashed because, you know, when we're all adults here, I don't want to pretend like I'm like holier than thou or like smarter or like it's, I'm incapable of, of, you know, this kind of thing happening to me. But like, it seems like the guy is basically brainwashed But he's got like the, he's like his life guru. And he just puts all of his trust into this guy. But this guy seems like a total con man. He seems like a total pyramid scheme type dude. You know, it's just, it just very sketchy. But the situation from how I understand it is that basically it's similar to years back when Mark Hunt was doing interviews. And in the interviews, like he was booked to fight for the UFC, but during interviews he was saying stuff like, you know, I'm free, you know my my memory loss is getting worse, and you know, this and that. So the UFC had to pull him from the fight and be like, yo, like if you're if you think that you're having brain issues we can't let you fight like we have to get you we got to have you see a doctor and like you know clear you if you want to fight and that totally makes sense you know say what you will about like you know whether or not they let Brock Lesnar take steroids and fight Mark Hunt and if they you know which I I think Mark Hunt is pretty on the money by the way and like him fighting the UFC over that I think the UFC totally knew that Brock Lesnar was on the juice and Mm -hmm. let him fight him anyways but that all being said like They were looking out for Mark Hunt's best interest, I think, when they when they had him go get tested and said, we're not going to let you fight for us anymore. If you're saying that you're having memory loss issues and you're suffering from, you know, possible CTE or whatever, whatever's going on, like, we're not going to risk that. We're not going to be the company who's, you know, who something happens to you in the octagon. And then someone goes back and finds audio clips leading up to this fight of saying that you have brain issues and like we let you fight anyways. Like, so I totally get the UFC standpoint with that. And the Diego thing seems very similar, Um, whether it was Diego or Fabia or whoever basically saying or heavily implying or however. I don't know the exact verbiage, but the UFC got to a point where they were not they did not feel comfortable letting Diego Sanchez fight for the same reasons that I just mentioned for Mark Hunt. You can't let this guy go in there if you think something's going on mentally or physically or like it just it's just not and it, we're talking about cage fighting like this is really, really serious stuff. So. Basically, what it seems like happened is is the UFC requested that Diego actually like like write down as like a as like a a, a waiver or, or a release or however you want to say it, basically saying that I do not have any brain damage or I mean, I'm not suffering any symptoms of being a mixed martial arts fighter. But Diego didn't want to do that because he's like, well, I don't really know for sure if that's true. You know, it's like he's like I, mm-hmm. something might be going on. So I don't want to write. I don't want to give you anything saying like I'm OK, because if I'm not OK and I do get hurt or I do, I did have issues that I didn't know about. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a tough spot to be in because you have Diego who's and, and or Fabia basically saying Diego's suffering from the effects of being a fighter for so long, whether it's his brain or whatever else, but then Diego, but then Diego is unwilling to like, just put that in a statement for the UFC because he really, because he doesn't feel like he has those problems, but if he does and he doesn't know it, he doesn't want to have said he didn't have those problems. You know, right. so it's, it's a really, it's a tough one. Um, but the straw that breaks the camel's back is Josh Fabia. Exactly. Because, because if he wasn't involved, I have no doubt in my mind that Diego and Dana and everyone else in the UFC would have been able to figure this thing out. And it, and it wouldn't have been so public. And so and seemed so negative and make Diego look so bad. um, And it, or even make the UFC look as, uh, so bad if you are if you're, you know, anti UFC when it comes to this. So it's like, it's, it's just, that's the thing. It's just the X the factor of Fabia. It, it's, Because because you are not just dealing with Diego, if it was Diego and Dana, it's like, that's two guys who have known each other for two decades, who have a bunch of respect for one another. And even if Sanchez was like, yeah, man, I feel like my brain might be a little fried right now. Then then him and Dana could figure that out themselves. You know, Dana could be like, hey, let's go get you tested by this guy. Let's keep this on the down low. Let's, you know, let's get this figured out. And if if we find we find out that you can't fight. You know, we we do your your. He's already in the UFC Hall of Fame for one of his fights, but you know, then you get it, start getting it set up. You know, like we get you, we're gonna get you in the Hall of Fame because you deserve it, and we're gonna get you. You know what I mean? Like start rolling mm-hmm. out the red carpet and and everything's good on the way out. You get this great exit from this company that you've been such a big part of for the last two decades, but instead, because you have the addition of Josh Fabia, who is just a pain in the ass for everyone to have to deal with. They're just like, fuck it. Like, this is, isn't worth our time. You know, they don't want to deal with it. The UFC doesn't want to be dealing with this shit. They don't want to deal with Josh Fabia. And the easiest way to not deal with Josh Fabia, and not because it isn't just Josh Fabia. Like, Diego Sanchez is making the situation worse for himself because he's doubling down for Fabia, too. So it's, it's just better for the UFC just to cut ties with them and not be liable for what may or may not happen mm-hmm. if Diego wants to keep fighting and stuff. So... You know, it's just a really, really shitty way for him to have to leave the company, especially because he was supposed to fight this weekend and it was going to be his retirement fight anyways. So that's that's where I'm at with it. I I do not fault the UFC for for releasing him. I don't fault Diego Sanchez for not for not giving the UFC what they wanted, though. I don't I do not fault him for him not feeling comfortable giving a statement that he does have no issues because he might and he just doesn't know it like that. That's a tough spot. But who I have no sympathy for Josh Fabia, and I think he is doing nothing but hurting Diego Sanchez's career and his whole legacy right now, which sucks. So mm-hmm. that that that's that's where I'm at with all that.
1: No, I, again, uh, I agree, man. It, it was hard to watch as a fan of Diego. He's always been uh, been a, a character to say the least. But I, I think yeah, it's 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 tough to watch a lot of this, but I totally understand where the UFC's coming from, I didn't question. I mean, I, I, in the same spot, I think I'd have done the same thing. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I hate to see it. Hopefully, down the road, maybe uh, things can to come together. And even if Diego doesn't fight again, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, uh, it's almost, again, you know, fighting is wrestling. It, it would make sense down the road. Maybe something gets pieced together and we get Diego back and, and some kind of hopefully uh, good mental health enough to, to maybe have, uh, a moment like that with the Hall of Fame or something um but'
0: well, well, and also like look look at like his look at his squad too i mean like yeah. it's it's diego sanchez josh fabian and for and uh Stefan Bonner, you know what I mean it's like yeah dude you see you see Sanchez and Fabia like going kind of crazy, and then you got like Stefan Bonner like filming it for him and stuff, and like Bonner's had his issues, you know what I'm saying, so it's like oh yeah, this is like a really this this doesn't seem like the best. Proud to like get involved with, you know what I'm no. saying?
1: No, I do. I, I, I think, yeah, that's,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hey, shout out to Stefan what He's done in, in independent wrestling lately. Like I've, I've enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, but it's, it, it, he's, he's maybe not the most, you know, completely stable Definitely. dude either. So it's exactly. like, it's just, it just seems like the company that Diego is surrounding himself with right now just might not be the best for whatever. He's, but here's the thing. I'm not. This is also isn't like some giant excuse for Diego. He's a grown man who can make his own decisions sure. too, and he's deciding to associate with the people he's deciding to associate with. I can say the same thing about uh, Stefan Bonner that I could uh, Diego Sanchez. By the way, I could say, man, if I was Stefan Bonner, I probably wouldn't be hanging out with Diego Sanchez and Josh Fabi. You know what I mean? It isn't like it isn't like Bonner is the big problem, or Diego's is the big problem, or even Fabi is the big problem. It's like it's just you don't think the the three of them probably just shouldn't be associating because I feel like it's just a gonna create more problems for all three of them
1: yeah we someone that needs to be an adult there <laughs> <laughs> okay okay oh but yeah uh let's do the flip side of this let me just ask you flat out uh i'm gonna time sampus it is monday afternoon at the time of this recording we don't know pablo serrani's fight is cablo gonna fight saturday night so i'm just asking you straight up man does donald serrani fight this weekend
0: um i mean i really hope so There's still they're still leading us to believe he'll he'll be on the card. I don't know who he's going to fight. I don't know who's available as far as like who would make sense and who's available like, not just that isn't booked, but like is, you know isn't booked and is also willing to fight you know in, you know on less than a week notice. Um, <clears throat> you know, in a perfect world, you know, if like Robbie Lawler was available, like something like that, I think would be perfect, you know because it's a it's a fight that I think is winnable for either guy. But, uh, cause I don't really want to see, <clears throat> well, for, for Cowboys' sake, I wouldn't want to see like Michael Chiesa or something like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, cause I think Chiesa would just go in there and smoke him. Um, I don't want to see Chimeov versus Cerrone, even though, you know, that would be pretty big for Chimeov to, you know, to get a big win over, you know, a big name like that. But, and, and I don't think Chimeov is going to be like fighting this weekend, but I think he's the kind of guy who would want to if he was, if he was, um, healthy and ready and stuff. But, for sure. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, you have any idea? I, I, it could even be somebody ranked outside of the top fifteen. Just anybody who's, because yeah. I mean, Cowboy's not in the top fifteen either, but you know, he's got that uh, name value.
1: I think, yeah, man, I don't, I, don't think he's gonna fight. My gut says I don't. I don't know if I, I think he. We know Cowboy will fight anybody. I think that depending on who said no and who said yes and schedules and everything, I could totally see them putting him in there with some that think he, he could just kind of tee off on it. someone maybe, you know, someone maybe either downside of the career or on the upside that maybe isn't quite ready for Cowboy. But again, man, anytime we're we're days out like this, it just feels, you know, with with, uh, with Donald throney so many miles on him, we all know he, he, there, there's not a ton of fights left for him. I I love the idea. It's just not right. Push it a month. Push it a few weeks. Whatever we got to do. So I'm gonna say that he doesn't fight uh, this weekend. But we do see him. Let's say before you know July.
0: Yeah, I can see that as well. I think I think that 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 could totally be uh be the scenario. And it's it's kind of ironic too because Cerrone being on the other side of this is what made him Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, dude. you, You know he was usually the one who on no notice would fill in for somebody else. So now he's like sitting there waiting on someone to fill in for him, you know?
1: Oh man. Yeah, it is. It's that's the fight game. What's the, it, I don't uh It may not fit the situation, but you saying that is literally uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. That's how I feel. Um, yeah. Hopefully we see Cowboy in the cage, preferably this Saturday in a banger, but uh, definitely in a good, matchup for him uh, sooner rather than later so with all this talk of what we don't know we think we might know possibly maybe that the main event could be a uh, women's flyweight scrap between michelle watterson and marina rodriguez uh what are your thoughts on that being a main event and just on the fight in general
0: i mean i think it's a good fight and i think it's a i mean Waterston you know, she definitely has a you know her yes. fan base name value there. Yeah, for sure. Now, as if you want to talk to straight name value though, like I think Cowboy Cerrone. No, yeah, you know. I
1: mean that's a strat that's a cowboy's a stratosphere. We we both agree that you know you could have Cowboy Cerrone fight someone no one's ever heard of, and that's going to draw a number between the hardcore and the casuals that love him. But I believe you know Michelle Waterson's got. Got some, you know, again, it, it's it, it, everyone's perceives it different, but for me, I think she can absolutely bring in some casual fans, and there are, uh, there's definitely a fan base already there for her, which is a good spot possibly for Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Rodriguez has looked good. I mean, she won her last one against Amanda Hebos, um, and she looked good in the UFC. She, she has two draws, which is like that's so rare to see on somebody's record. It's like yeah. two draws within, uh, a like a three fights or four fight span. Um, I mean she's a good fighter though. I mean, like I, I think this is a really good matchup. Uh, for it to be the main event, like I don't I don't really dislike because like I do think it's a good matchup. and like we were saying, Waterson and she's like her fan base. and mm-hmm. so, you know, and this could be a really big win for Rodriguez., Um, I'm gonna take Waterson as my prediction, but I mean, if Rodriguez were to win it really wouldn't surprise me she's been in there with really good fighters and done really well and her only loss is a split decision to Esparza who's a good fighter and that's one you know split decision literally one judge goes one other way and that's a win so um so yeah I mean I think that this will be the main event of the show and yeah I mean I think it'll be a good fight there, there's there's a lot of good matchups on the card oh so, yeah I mean This this should be a lot of really good fights, just not a ton of name value overall. I mean, San Hagen and Dillashaw, that was that's what really sold this thing um, as far as like name value as as a as a not a pay-per-view, but as a main event. Uh, But, you know, they're doing they're going to do the best with what they can. And there's too many good fights on the show to just not have the show. So um, so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think Water Center Rodriguez is probably the right call for the main event.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Waterston is just a little bit better, uh, but I think you you did a great job of uh, oh man. Mar- Marina Rodriguez. This feels almost like that fight where well, a lot of people are going to pick Michelle Waterston to win, and Rodriguez could come in and maybe turn some heads. And, and of course, it being on ESPN, uh, that's it, it. Just it feels like a, a, a very possible coming out party, and just like I'm here. For me, Marina Rodriguez, if she can get past uh, past Michelle Watterson, who that's that's a challenge on itself. And like you said, that the last time we saw uh, Waterson in there, man, a really good win over Angela Hill back in September. That was a fight of the night, uh, definitely one to keep an eye on, whether it's main event or not. I think I think it will be. It feels like uh, that that'll draw a little bit. But you, you, yeah, you mentioned it, man. Let's get into a couple of the other fights we do know we're gonna get. We've got. Uh, let's lead off with this one. Someone we, we talk about a lot on here, Neil Magny. Jeff Neal, we, we've said it a million times about how both of us are so entranced by Neil Magny's career and record. Uh, how are you feeling about this matchup?
0: I like it a lot. And this is one that, like, if it was a me personally, like, if like this is the fight that would be the main event of this show. Um, I, I think that this is a really, really good matchup. Because Neil Magny was on a three-fight winning streak before he lost recently to Michael Chiesa. And Chiesa is looking like a guy who could be contending for the title soon. So really no shame there. really big win for uh, for Chiesa there over Magny. And then Jeff Neal in a similar position, only he had won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven yeah. in a row. And he's coming off a loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but and once again, you know, Stephen Thompson arguably could be fighting for the title next or soon because he's still in the top five at welterweight right now and hasn't had a shot against Usman. So I think that Neil and Magny are both in really good spots at welterweight. As far as where they sit in the rankings, you have Magny at nine and Neil at 10. So it mm-hmm. makes 100% sense for these two to fight each other. And the winner, the winner is, you know, gonna probably fight someone ranked above them next. So it'll be, you know, either Neil is gonna win or Magny is gonna win. And then the winner is gonna probably fight you know, one of these guys who's really in that mix for that title contention. And we talk about it a lot. You know, once you really break through that top five of welterweight, there's some real big money to be made there because it's, you know, Masvidal, Thompson, Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns, Colby, and Usman. So it's like that's so the whoever wins this is basically potentially fighting one of those names with either this win or maybe one other win afterwards, because that's the position that Kies is in right now after beating Magny is like, you know, he is at seven, Luke is at six. And then it's all the other names I just mentioned. So, I mean, these are all big fights. And, Ma- and Damian Myas, it's a number eight. And he's a big name and former champion and all that. St- or sorry, not former champion, former uh, contender, uh, title challenger. So, um, so yeah, I mean, th- this is, this, I think, it's going to be a really good fight. And as far as a prediction, man, I'm going to go Magny, just because I think he's a little more uh, diverse in what what he brings to the table. But Jeff Neal's got some serious power, and I'm definitely not counting him out. But I'm going to take Magny. What about you?
1: Same. I'm with Magny. Uh, I think he's a little more well-rounded. But without a doubt, this is one to circle. Uh, I I would not be shocked either to see Jeff Neal. But I think I think Magny does it. Man gets back in the win column. Um, yeah, definitely keep an eye on this. No matter where it's got to be, that main card on ESPN prelims going to be prelim card will be on ESPN plus. Uh, what about this one, man? This one got pushed. Uh, we were supposed to get it a couple of weeks ago. Carlos Diego Ferreira, Gregor Gillespie, man. Another one that just screams fireworks.
0: Yeah, it does. And we haven't seen Gillespie since that head kick loss to Kevin Lee. And that was already back in November of 2019. That was at UFC 244. And I remember that so well yeah. because that was the, uh, the BMF title main event. So, you know, and that was the one where, like, if Gillespie beat Kevin Lee... He was going to get fast tracked to potentially fighting Habib because because Habib was like, you know, people were thinking with Gillespie's amateur wrestling background that he was maybe the only person who would have a chance against to be like grappling wise. And then Kevin Lee went out there and had one of the best performances of his his whole career and just incredible head kick knockout of Gillespie. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. Uh, Ferreira is a really, really tough fighter. And he has wins over the likes of, you know, former champion Anthony Pettis. And he's been in the octagon with guys like Benil Dariush and Dustin Poirier. He's actually lost to Darius twice. Um and his only losses in his career are the two losses to Darius and his one loss to Poirier. But everyone else he's defeated and he's been and there were some really, really tough guys. Um he is not an easy out for anybody. Uh, this is a tough this is a really tough yeah. one to call because I, I, my gut is kind of going Ferreira, but if Gillespie, it is only because we haven't seen Gillespie in so long. If, if Gillespie comes back and he's like super motivated and he's, he's, you know, filled up a couple of the holes in his game, I still think he can be really dangerous and be a real, real contender and prospect at lightweight still. Um And like I said, with his, with his amateur wrestling background and stuff, like if he can just, if he can just have like, just a little bit above average striking and keep his cardio at a top level and keep his wrestling at a top level, I think he's going to be really, really dangerous. And I think he's going to be able to out grapple Ferreira here. So I'm going to take Gillespie as my prediction, but this is a really damn good fight. Who do you think is going to win?
1: I'm actually going Ferreira because of a loss, because of that split decision loss to Benil Dairy that you mentioned back in February. Was a fight of the night. You said it also. His second loss to Benil. The first time they fought way, way back in 2014, uh, Benil d- beat him by unanimous decision. So to me, that's some growth, man. He he near you know split decision it was a close fight. Uh, again, the fight of the night. I think uh, Ferreira because of he's been a little more active and because of how close that fight was. I, I'm going to go with him. But this this is an, another one that man. It could very well end up being the fight of the night or performance of the night or both.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I like this one a lot, and I'd put this one as like the. Well, I guess I don't know how this card's going to shape up, but I mean, there's a lot of good fights on this. Yeah, no, there man. really is. There really is. So hopefully, hopefully this gets spotlighted, especially you know for whoever wins this, because lightweight is just so ultra stacked that like it's hard to really break through into the because it's similar to what I was just talking about before. Like when you but when you're looking at lightweight, it's even. Even more so because once you break into that top, you know, let's say we'll just say top six because that's where Connor sits. But when you break into the top right now, Gillespie's sitting at 14 and Ferrer sitting at 12. So the winner of this fight will, will probably bust into the top 10 and they, they can't pass Dariush. Dariush is at nine. But once you get into that top 10, you're looking at Paul Felder, Dariush, Hooker, RDA. Connor Ferguson, Chandler, Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier, and currently we do not have a uh, a champion. So, I mean, that is just straight money fights pretty much all the way up. Um, So, this is a really, really, really big opportunity for Ferreira and Gillespie here.
1: Yeah, big fight. Um, I'm going to hit a couple more of these and then uh, Steven's going to kind of highlight a couple of his own. Uh, We're going to get... Just a little bit of PFL talk, and then we'll get out of here and of course be back next week to, to, to review all this action, whatever we get, and then uh we're gonna be deep diving big time into that May 15th card headlined by Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler for the vacant UFC Lightweight Championship. Um, yeah, finishing up this prelim card, bro. Uh, this one kind of jumps out to me. Uh, Ben Rothwell, Philip Lynns. Feels like we could get a finish, maybe uh Rothwell is another one we talk about. You look at his record. You look at you know the time. You feel like you've been watching him for thirty years because well, we kind of have.
0: Yeah, for real, man. I still remember his IFL days. Uh, that was one of the few MMA shows that I like randomly got on like the cable network that I had. It was like just so random that I got IFL because I, I remember him and Roy Nelson were like mm-hmm. the two guys that I just I watched on there and. Yeah, it's wild, man. Uh, Rothwell, he's fought everybody. I mean, pretty much any big name, you could think about it in the heavyweight division, he's shared, you know, the cage or the ring or whatever with. Um, Felipe Linz was a guy who was looking real good until he ran into my boy, Andrei Arlovsky. Um, but, you know, it was the decision win, but Arlovsky got the win there. And Arlovsky, you know, he's he's been getting W's uh, again, so yeah, for him. Um but uh, but you know, Lynd's coming off those, you know, the Arlovski loss as well as the loss to Tanner Bozier. and Bowezer is a good fighter. I think Bo- isn't Bozier the guy that Arlovski just beat? That was a uh, yeah, I so. just, Yeah, Arlovski just beat him. So, um, kind of funny how that kind of like a little round robin wound up happening between those guys. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think Lynd's is a good fighter, and he is. He's 35. Rothwell's got to be pushing 40-something, right? 39? Wow. I, I'm, I'm surprised he's still only 39, to be honest. um, Not that that's, like, young for fighting, but just with how long he's been around. I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go Rothwell. Um, You know, he's coming off that loss to Tybura. Before that, though, he had won the back-to-back over Struve and St. Prue. It was St. Prue's heavyweight debut, I think. I could be wrong. But... But yeah, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Rothwell more so just because of the experience, and the level of competition he's he's been in there against for so long. And I just think he he pulls some sort of, you know, some something because maybe just because he's more of a veteran in, in his experience level. He just maybe sees something in in that fight during, you know, in there with Linz and he's able to capitalize. But um, I'm going to say Rothwell, I'm going to say maybe he gets it done maybe his striking looks okay but maybe he's able to get him onto the ground or something and uh, maybe grind out a decision i'm I'm really not sure how this one goes but uh i'm gonna take rothwell i
1: think yeah same i'm with rothwell uh i'm excited about it but i just think ben's gonna be a little bit better the last one i want to ask you about and then we'll have you pick out a couple because like you said you look at this card man and we we could definitely sit here and hit all these at least the high spots but uh I wanted to know what you thought about uh, Angela Hill and Amanda Reboss mixed it up in the Starway division.
0: I like that one as well. And that's another one where like if Angela Hill hadn't lost to Michelle Watterson, I could see this one potentially being the main event also because because boss lost to Rodriguez too. So it's like they've lost to the fighters that will probably, probably be main eventing this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but still a lot of good name value here. And Heboss is really, really good. I mean, she's still only 27 years old. Uh, Angela Hill, uh, 36. So she but but she's somebody who is, you know, you know, breaking barriers. And, you know, when she had that her and Watterson actually being that main event fight. <clears throat> and that, I think, was the first uh, the first fight that there was a African-American woman main eventing a UFC show. So she means a lot to the company and stuff. And, and she really she's a great fighter. She's a great athlete. And she seems like a great person. And I can say all those things about Amanda Heboss as well. I think there's a lot of upside with Heboss. Um, I think Waterson has fought tougher competition on a more of a consistent basis. And she's had more of an opportunity to do that over her long career. Um, and Heboss has fought some good fighters like Mackenzie Dern, uh, mm-hmm. who still has a lot of potential. Um, you know, she, she tapped out Paige Van Zant, and that was part of what led to Van Zandt's, um, you know, all of her arm issues she's had and stuff like that. Um, this a tough one. I'm gonna take Amanda Heboss, though. I think that I think that she capitalizes on this on this uh on this matchup here, and uh, this could be a really really big win for her. And if Angela Hill wins, she's still right there in the mix uh, as she always has been. So I'm gonna take Heeboss in this one, but it, it's a tough one to call. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I've got Hill. I'm gonna go. Uh... Close decision with Angela Hill, just uh, just out pointing, doing just enough. But uh, like every other fight, man, we talked about this one feels like it could go either way uh, with with just a little bit of sway uh, for both these fighters. Man, a good spot to be in. Of course, prelim card ESPN Plus, main card will be on ESPN. Are there any other on the uh, that we know we're going to get that you want to point out before we get out of here? I'll just
0: uh, I'll just throw out one here the uh, the Mo Green and oh, yeah. Delima fight, like. This could very well be a loser leaves UFC situation, and I think because both guys have very uh, checkered records. Um, Maurice Green has lost three of his last four, and he was the guy who a lot of people figured was going to give Greg Hardy like a lot of problems. And Greg Hardy went in there and and took him out in the second round. Uh, De Lima, he just win lost win lost win loss, all the way all the way through for the last few years. He's fought some really good fighters, but. Like I'm going to take De Lima. That's going to be my prediction. But I think that there's going to be a knockout. Like, I I don't think this fight's going to last very long. And that's why I'm highlighting it. I think this could be a good opportunity to see a big knockout. And a big knockout with some pretty high stakes for the people involved. Because, like I said, I could totally see... I'm never advocating for it. Y'all know who listen to this show. I'm never one to be like, they should get fired. I know I said that about Kudalaba before, but that's a different situation. Like, I I feel like you can't be... You can't be, like, assaulting, like, your opponents when you're not in the, the cage and stuff. So I feel differently with, with those kind of scenarios. And even then, I don't want to see him get fired. I just feel like there has to be a punishment for it. But that, that being said, like, this is the kind of situation between Green and DeLima where it's, like, I could see this being a loser leaves town type, type fight. So both guys are going to be highly motivated to get that win. I think someone gets a knockout, and I'm going to say DeLima is the one who gets it done.
1: I'm with you. I think Delayman with a finish. This absolutely could end up being a performance of the night. This whole card, uh, with everything, the drama around it, and fights and people and everything, it just it's been a little bit of a mess. Still, very exciting stuff on paper this Saturday night. Um, but yeah, before we get out of here, uh, last week I believe it was last Wednesday. I could be wrong. I'm gonna double check. Yeah, it was last Thursday. PFL 2 was on, uh, the, I should say the PFL, with their second show of this season, was on uh, Was on ESPN 2. Man, it was the first of their shows that I've just sat down and been a fan of and just watched. And uh, I had a good time with it, man. Of course, the main event, Rory McDonald with a first-round submission via Rear Naked Choke over Curtis Melinder. Super impressive performance. Uh, same with the co-main, Ray Cooper the third. Got an arm triangle choke in the first round, uh, right of the gate. Uh, both were great finishes in the welterweight division. Man, uh, what you know? What do you think about? Um, I guess the the production of the PFL. I know it's kind of busy. You know, when you're watching a fight, they have the stats up, they have this, they have that. Maybe it's my training as like a football fan, but like I kind of was there for it
0: i like that they're doing it. it 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 gives them something that's a little more distinctive to to them you know it they all, all these stats and all these extra all this extra yeah. stuff that they're doing I, I like that they're putting the effort into it i know they put a lot of money into it um like millions of dollars into like the like the screens and all the extra graphics and stuff that they're using um and i think it's smart you know it's it, in in a very different way but it it almost reminds me kind of like the national wrestling alliance right now where if you're a pro wrestling fan like you have you know AEW and wwe and nxt and new japan all these things that kind of look pretty similar but then you have you know, the nwa which is like a, in a studio with like different lighting with like their entire set is right there around the ring and it's it's like an actual alternative like it, it doesn't feel like you're watching something that's trying to be the wwe you're just watching something that's doing its own thing. And I like that aspect. And that's kind of why I compare it to like the PFL, because when you watch the PFL, like I don't really feel like I'm watching I mean, to a degree you feel like you're watching Bellator and the UFC a little bit, but like it it definitely seems like they're trying to provide a real alternative that's like really based around all these other things too and all the all the statistics and all of all this extra stuff and all the extra production. So I just like that they're trying something different. Especially because oh. they're on they're on ESPN, where like the yes. UFC is. So you know you got to do something
1: different. I was gonna agree. It, it fits in more. Um, I guess with the ESPN branding, man. I, I know it's a lot. Haley Haley uh, didn't really care for it. She is more of the you know the, the UFC of like just just give me my how much time do I have left in the round uh, and let these two fight. But I was I had a good time, man. I like knowing this and then the history of it, and then. Uh, um of course, you've got Rory McDonald's on there for that. Uh, what did you think? I know we talked a little bit about it before the show, but the performance as a whole of Rory now here in the uh, in the PFL, pretty much what I expected, right?
0: Yeah, and, and he looked really good. His, uh, his rear naked choke over Melander was, like, really, just really, really impressive. The way that he kind of baited Melander into thinking that he was safe and then locking in the choke. Um, because basically what happened was they were, like, rolling around on the ground and kind of getting into positions and stuff. And Rory hooked Melander's legs on the ground. And he kind of like let off the gas a little bit. It looked like, and let, let Melander move and start sitting up. Like he was going to be able to like escape or change positions. And right when Melander looked like he felt safe is when Rory just jumped on his neck and just, I mean, it was like, you could tell that Rory had practiced that. and. I thought it was just really, 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 really well done. And then you mentioned Ray Cooper the third, also. He's, I mean, he's basically when I think of the PFL, he's like the first person I think of because he's just so he's been so important to their brand. You know, just being a part of all these tournaments and you know championships he's won with them, and um, he had that really. He was the one who knocked out. Um, who was it? Now I'm now I'm blanking. Let me pull it up real quick. Because he, I remember he had that giant upset a few years ago over, where was it? Who am I looking for? Over Jake Shields. That when was said it.
1: Man, yeah, he's finished Jake Shields twice.
0: Twice, yes. And that's where he really got on everyone's radar was at PFL three when he knocked him out. And then he beat him in the rematch too. And I mean, the guy has just been a, a real stud for the PFL. I mean, his only only has two losses in the company. Um, so, I mean good to see him doing his thing and getting a win with the triangle choke. I mean he's he's really dangerous with his submissions and with his knockouts. Well-rounded fighter. A guy that I think would do really well in a Bellator or UFC, you know, if given an opportunity. But he's he's really finding a good spot for himself in the PFL. And then um also just want to throw it out there cuz I don't think we talked about it before but you know um you know Anthony Pettis losing his fight. Yeah. That just that just goes to show also though like Anthony Pettis was looking really good in in his UFC run as of late. So the PFL has, while you might not know as many of the names, like they have a really good roster of fighters that are kind of flying under the radar and guys who are capable of beating Anthony Pettis level fighters. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I thought I honestly thought it just made the PFL look really really good.
1: Yeah, same. I'm I'm in on the rest, their next show. I'll totally be watching on this one. It was pretty cool. Chris Camosi was in a banger, bro. He ended up losing a decision to uh, Emiliano Sordi, who I believe won their 2019 light heavyweight like tournament championship, whatever it is. Um, so, super impressive performance and a loss by Camosi. Landed some big shots. Um, but yeah, man, absolutely fun time on the ESPN2. I believe their next show is actually this Thursday, May 6th. Uh, it appears. Not only do we get Kayla Harrison back in action, but Fabricio Verdum will be fighting. So I will definitely have my eyes on this one Thursday night over on a, over on ESPN2. It looks like the main card, which again includes Kayla Harrison and Fabricio Verdum, will kick off at 9 p.m. Eastern. So uh, yeah, man, definitely be checking that out.
0: That's good uh, stuff. Yeah, and, and when I mentioned you know, Ray Cooper III as like, is like one of the first names that I think of when I think of PFL. Kayla Harrison is the first name yes. I think of when I think of PFL. I think it's really great how she's been able to be the face of that brand and have so much success, you know, so far up to this point in her uh her MMA career. So I always love seeing Kayla Harrison compete and it'll be really interesting to see Verdum uh in a PF in a PFL um cage doing his thing and see kind of where he's at in his career. Cause you know, he's either going to go the route of Rory McDonald out there still looking good, like he can still contend, or he might go out there and look more like Anthony Pettis and realize, like, oh, damn, the competition here is is way better than I thought. So um, and not, not to think that Anthony Pettis was taking it lightly, but you know what I mean? That's got to be mm-hmm. kind of shocking when you go over there and it's like, oh, damn, like I just got beat. Like, I didn't think that was going to happen. So, um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this upcoming PFL show this Thursday for sure.
1: Hell oh, yeah, man. Well, it was good to be back. We we did it. We'll be back of course next Monday with, uh, with talk of PFL and we'll definitely be talking about this uh, weekend's card. You're going to be previewing that huge, huge, basically, you know, triple main event. Um, I mean the whole main card's loaded. You've got Jacare's back. You've got Jack Romanson and Edmund Shabazi. I mean, this is a loaded up card on May 15th that we'll be previewing next week. But yeah, man, for me, uh, Happy to be back. Anyone uh, out there feels so inclined, throw me a follow on Twitter at Moe's KOBK, bro. But uh, I I just feel good to be talking about the MMA with you uh, on a
0: weekday, bro. Yeah, for sure. Great to have you back. If you all want to follow me on Twitter, it's Fight Talk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. If you want to watch some independent pro wrestling, jump on independentwrestling.tv or IWTV.live. Use promo code Fight Talk. All is one word with no space. Helps me out. Helps Moe's out. Uh, help support the show and all that good stuff and uh yeah anything else that i got going on on my twitter whether it's you know the youtube stuff or any other podcast or anything twitch whatever i just try to keep that updated on my twitter and i have a link tree uh link in my bio for twitter that has like that directs you pretty much to anything that i've got going on so if you all want to check that out uh that's appreciated you can also listen to the fightful select weekender podcast every sunday um that's a part of the Fightful Patreon service, where I talk about a bunch of indie wrestling and basically all the stuff going on, like, outside of WWE and AEW for the most part. So, um, so yeah, and, uh, Moe, you got anything else before we sign off?
1: No, man. Uh, happy to be back. Can't wait to be talking about that uh, that May 15th card, bro.
0: Same here, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So next week, like Moe said, we'll be reviewing what we just talked about. We'll be previewing that uh, that big show. And, uh, yeah, until next time, I've been Steven Jensen for Jumping John Mosley. We're out of here. See you next week. Talking more mixed martial arts.